This episode is brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America, the smart choice for ID implementations. Put citizens in control with Get Mobile ID, fully ISO compliant 18013-5, and surpasses AMVA guidelines. Learn more at getgroupna.com. Welcome to AmvaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the AMVA community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. And welcome back again to the AmvaCast. Ian, it is a pleasure to be here. I have so enjoyed listening to all those other speakers that I, <laughs> I feel very fortunate to be called back. So I asked Ian to come back this week. Um, as we've done now, this is our third time. It's hard to believe we've been doing the podcast long enough to do a third year in review, looking back on the year, kind of podcast. Uh, the first time we were still in isolation, so to speak, mm. um, but certainly the last time and this time we get to be in person. But it's funny, as we thought about doing it this time, before I pressed record, Ed and I were chatting and we said, well, when you think about when we were last year having this conversation, highlights were starting to be together in person again. And we were just starting to hear about this thing called the Omicron variant. And that was only a year ago. It's remarkable. I look back and think we were we were getting ready to go out to Austin, Texas for the winter board meeting. That's right. And we were all geared up and folks had made reservations and folks had been traveling before and people were reporting that they could not get flights, their flights were being canceled, flights were not being staffed because the Omicron virus, as you say, we were yeah. just learning about, was flushing its way through every aspect of our transportation system. And it was as much to minimize exposure to the virus as it was that folks literally, we could not guarantee that they could have an easy, efficient flight out to the meeting sure. that we pivoted on very short notice to a virtual board meeting. Everybody flipped it over. Sandy flipped over the board materials, turned into a, a, a virtual secretariat to that meeting, and everybody had to uh, change their plans quickly. We were all very disappointed. Yeah. We were looking forward to being out in uh, Austin. It was going to be a chance to say hello and goodbye to Whitney Brewster again, who had left, had been a prior chair. And, uh, and yet uh, the team pulled it off, and the board members, um, as much as anybody, were as engaged in the conversation as, as, uh, as we would have wished in person as well. So. And an interesting thing in the context of a year in review, knock wood, that was the last time we had to pivot, mm -hmm. right? It was the last time mm -hmm. where we had to say, okay, we had planned to be together in person, and we made adjustments. And we came out of that meeting, and since then we've been able to go back to being in person, but as you look at the year in review, the first half was, you know, with some steps and protocols in place all the way to now a year later where we're back to something that looks a little like pre-pandemic. Yeah, so much so that I'm always surprised when I see organizations collect your vaccine card or have mm. protocols on their website. We still do have organizations ask, what are your protocols now for meetings? But uh, ANVA's health protocols, which... I really admire the board and you and your team, Ian, for pulling together in a way that was balanced and fair, did in fact sunset July mm -hmm. 1, and uh, we planned a sunset, we meant the sunset, and since July 1, we have made sure to accommodate folks' needs if they wanted masks, if they wanted cleaning materials, if right. they wanted to be in a remote part of the you know, the, the meeting space, we tried to leave some space. Um, we absolutely honored that, but otherwise it's been pretty much, uh, you know, you're on your own, not yeah. not you're on your own, but please be responsible based on what your needs are. Sure, so yeah. swim at your own risk. Yeah, so swim at your own, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's interesting is I think about that, one of the themes of the year of 2022 was not only this gradual and smart return mm -hmm. to how we meet safely in person, 
but the energy and the enthusiasm that it was met with from our members, our stakeholders, our attendees. It's been remarkable. We've seen it in the level of attendance at every meeting we have held really since that one pivot. Mm -hmm. um, each meeting AMVA has held, we've had unexpectedly high attendance. We planned for robust attendance, um, and we exceed that each time, mm -hmm. and that uh, is from start to finish. And we can talk about specific meetings if you're ready now, sure. but this has got to yeah. be a two-way conversation for sure. I'll, I'll chime in. You yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just working backwards, I just returned from a Region 2 uh, Chief Administrator's Roundtable mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. we had by far the best attendance at a Region 2 meeting and participation that I have ever experienced with uh, substantial law enforcement representation, chief administrators from virtually every jurisdiction in Region 2, which is very exciting, almost, mm -hmm. um, almost every jurisdiction, and just uh, really engaged, uh, I would say engaged participants and participants who were very eager to talk to each other and exchange ideas, exchange contact information, and, you know, sort of working backwards to mm -hmm. the roundtables that preceded that. Um, similar gosh, story. where are we? It was a yeah. similar story. And probably, I think we were all just blown away by the uh, annual international conference in Baltimore, yeah. where we planned for strong attendance. Sure, we thought maybe 750, 800. 800, right? We were going to be really happy with 800. Uh, a thousand yeah. people just sh I mean like one person shy of a thousand people it was remarkable mm -hmm. and everybody figured out a way to make it comfortable and engaged nobody felt crowded out you know you yeah. you made sure yeah. everybody had space and the energy and the engagement and the smiles and the friendships and the information that folks yeah. left with um, just left this uh, sort of tailwind of really strong forward momentum so that's pretty exciting well and that's an interesting thing i've observed is as much as the covid experience allowed us to understand where we could leverage technology where things could be done remotely and virtually it also reinforced where you can't replace being in person i think we saw that this year in 2022 with record-breaking not only registration numbers but people in the meeting room. It was one of the things I saw, especially at the regional conferences in the AIC, you always have yeah. solid registration numbers. Mm -hmm. But the actual engagement of staying in the room, having up following up conversations, and not, we all enjoy seeing each other, it's good to have a good time, but not frivolous conversations, really saying, okay, where, where are we, and how do, how do I learn from you? How can you learn from my mistakes? That's right. That's uh, right. And almost being away for a year, 2022 allowed us to say we, we need this more than ever. Yeah, and, that's, and it's been, um, you know, the sharing does go both ways, and there's a comfort in sharing that sort of surpasses, I think, what you could achieve in a virtual space. Virtual and remote service has its place. And mm. the exciting thing, as you mentioned, is that through the pandemic, we all have come to learn how much can be done remotely and how quickly the states pivoted to offer, and all the jurisdictions, the Canadian jurisdictions as well, to offer services remotely and to yeah. continue to build on that, but to also acknowledge and recognize and seek that in-person engagement time to just kind of, there's, a, there's an energy that comes yeah. from that. There's an aura to aura. Uh, you know, I don't know how you how do you how you describe it without getting too uh, treacly, but it's really uh, <laughs> it's a it's pretty remarkable and it's wonderful and it doesn't have to happen every day. Right. But as long as it happens periodically, I think we sustain that kind of uh, excitement and being together. So one of the the nexus points of being together and this push for remote transactions was another new experiment in 2022 that we had in Anvo, which was our first ever pop up, -up classroom. classroom. <laughs> yeah, and it was on you know so it was the idea of a pop up classroom. We hadn't planned for this event yeah 
and it was on a topic that you know has already been in the works had already been a hot topic but really you know the this push to remoteless uh, remote touchless transactions has pushed MDL even more to the forefront. Yeah, not only is the topic a hot topic, it is absolutely the breaking topic that that across the board, the, the board members really wanted to see a level playing field set with knowledge and the exchange of information. So wherever jurisdiction is with regard to implementing or considering an MDL, they could get the latest and greatest foundation on the information of what the community was recommending who's further advanced. And that idea, that concept of taking what is the hot topic of, mm -hmm. the, of the moment, not as a trivial mm -hmm. topic, but as a substantial topic that advances service in this kind of new space of remote. So MDL happened this past year. I, I would say that we as staff were challenged and inspired by the jurisdictions that had pivoted very quickly to the pandemic mm -hmm. to try this different approach. You know, what is a pop-up classroom? As you, you described, it's something right. we hadn't originally planned. Now we may be planning for them. Do, are they still pop-up because they're topic-specific? Who do we invite? You know, how do we how do we let jurisdictions get the most out of it? And I think we the formula worked mm -hmm. um, to have jurisdiction focus and allow and and kind of encourage that industry jurisdiction engagement dropped in throughout the, the, the classroom. So we'll try that again next year yep. um, with contact centers. We, we love the idea. We've got to keep it fresh and uh, keep trying stuff new. But I would say it was really in part being pushed, I would say, by the board and our members saying we've got yep. to do more. We've got to figure out a way. Uh, Anva, you figure out a way to get this MDL knowledge That's out right. to everybody so that we can talk about because it. Because it, it was an October conversation yep. where members yep. said, the ISO standard had just been completed. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The MDL implementation guidelines were about to come out. And they said, we can't wait for another conference cycle to really walk members through this, this content. What can we do sooner, faster, more, more direct? Yeah, and, it, and what's interesting about that, the conversation that came out of the pop-up classroom um, and the energy, I think, is what led to this, a stronger DTS steering committee mm -hmm. in in the space of recognizing that secure, protected identity is a public good, mm -hmm. and that the DMVs are kind of the origin credentialers, if you will, and they really hold the keys to that public good being a secure and protected identity for individual personal verification purposes, however you might use it. Um, but it was, I think it really built out of the MDL pop-up classroom mm -hmm. discussion, in a way, and buy-in and energy around going with a, a standard that allows secure interoperability in the long run and an efficient approach to and to all jurisdictions using MDLs and being able to exchange that information in a way that may not have happened if we hadn't at least it, it still sure. it, you know it's I think we gained momentum in that in that space yeah. because of it. Yeah, and I think that was another highlight of 2022 yeah. was you know the strategic decision by the board that's then been embraced by the committees and supported by the MDL working group. Uh, particularly around, in addition to the standard guiding how members are implementing it, yeah. saying that now there's going to need to be a central provider of the public keys. And we went out and we did some market analysis, RFIs, and everyone kind of pointed back to us. We said, who should do this? And they held up a mirror and right? said, hey, Amva, you should do this. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a 2022, I think, is really going to maybe recorded as a pretty fundamental year where that decision was made is we, we really do sit in the middle of, we don't know where it's all going, That's but right. we're in the middle of wherever it's going. Yeah, and it puts some big decisions on the board's plate and their governance role. 
to say, what, you know, where are we going and how does ANVA best resource that? If, in fact, it is ANVA's space in yeah. which to provide that neutral um, exchange on public keys. And, you know, this idea of, of the pop-up classroom helping set a foundation for that discussion across the community um, kind of takes a different shape when you think about contact centers. We're not coming to context, the contact center discussion with a set of standards right. or, or a recommended strategy. Right? We're yeah. just saying, yeah, the this, this space on contact centers, the innovation in the private sector is way beyond um, what many are familiar with. And what every jurisdiction wants is to know what each other is doing. Yeah to find that best path and the best and highest use of that technology, not just a one-off solution. So it's a pretty exciting space, but it'll, it'll, it'll demand, I think, a different uh, level of awareness from us as staff in supporting our members to enable the best conversation yeah. when we do that. So everyone will have to tune back for the 2023 yeah. year in review to see how it went. <laughs> so, of course, MDL is, is but one of a dozen Gosh, different yeah. areas where we've made uh, some great progress in 2022. But staying in that in that driver's world, um, this year we saw the, I would say, the first substantial update in a while to our model driver handbook. Um, and what's interesting is if I put it in contrast to, say, the MDL documents, which are exciting and new and the burgeoning new frontier the driver handbook you know goes back to the foundation right. of you know why amva exists why our members exist for that new driver vetting yeah and so ian i'd love to hear you we promised to make this a two-way conversation <laughs> and i would love to hear where you can how you would describe what's different about the new model manual yeah. compared to what jurisdictions have had forever as yeah. a model from ANVA. Well, some of the, the key updates in the driver manual, uh, one, one of the big updates is actually in the space around what's new, which is around automated driving and the ADAS technologies. Mm, yeah. um, and of course, we've been working with our IDIC committee to make sure that model tests are updated to recognize new technology in vehicles. Because I think as we've all heard, they're seeing new drivers come in with all different types of technologies in their vehicles. Um, and yeah. to be able to understand the difference of which technologies really improve the safe operation of the vehicle, mm -hmm. and which are what we refer to as convenience technologies, and not dismissing the ability for a new driver to use those safety technologies, even in the driver driver test. Yeah. Um, even something as straightforward and what's become as common as the rear view camera, which is now of course standard in new vehicles, to allow a new driver to use a backup camera in showing that they can operate the vehicle. Not in lieu of being able to turn your head and check your mirrors, right. but almost, but as a part of that new new driver experience. Um, and so building that into the manual so that we can help educate new drivers. How do you, what's your responsibility as a driver to understand the technology in, in your vehicle? Um, and of course we have, there's some challenges in the marketplace because not everything has common nomenclature. Yeah. But we try in the manual to outline, starting to understand that difference between safety and, and convenience. Um, and then, I, then there's another new area uh, which connects to another new deliverable we have, which is um, an exciting one, which is what to do and expect if stopped Stop by, by law enforcement. enforcement. Yeah. So there's both new so materials important. in the manual and the new yeah. training video, which is up on our website. Yeah, and that's a really, it's such a great resource. I can't encourage folks enough to go to Anvo's website, download that video, share it at a community meeting, share it with your young children yeah. if they're getting ready to drive, recommend it to your driving school, recommend it to your law enforcement for a training video. This is a video that's clear, um, that has plenty of examples and 
and a level of uh, kind of confidence that you can, in fact, be stopped by law enforcement and have a better idea what to do to minimize points of conflict, um, minimize where something could go sideways. I mean, I don't know. It's, I, I have to tell you, it's encouraging when I hear a law enforcement officer say, when the red lights come on behind me, I get nervous. <laughs> you know, when, when, a, when a trained yeah. officer says that, it makes me feel a little better because I still, I always tell my kids, you know, I'm a good steady driver, but when the lights go sure. flashing behind me and they're getting ready to fly past me, I'm still nervous they're going to pull it's me over, right? Yeah. So you all want to have just a little bit of an idea. When we can know what to expect, we're just in a better space when the event happens. So let's stick with the driver theme a little bit longer. Sure. So one, that manual is going to be great, and yeah. I'm really glad. I hope hope more as many jurisdictions as yeah. can pos as possible are downloading it to customize for their use. So other driver innovations this year. It's been a very busy year. Yeah. I want to talk a bit about the driver history record yes. through state to state, and I want to talk about the CDL skills test modernization. Excellent. Two really phenomenal yeah. things. So. One of the areas of policy uh, initiation that our chair, uh, Chrissy Neiser, uh, really pushed was to improve, recommend, and set models on how to improve the relationship between governor's highway safety offices or highway safety offices and the DMV because they are so integral mm -hmm. together. The governor's highway safety office may be able to lobby for changes before the legislature. Ultimately, the DMV may, and law enforcement may be the ones to implement. So the two have to be just intimately tied together, and they're not always intimately yeah. connected. Um, not because they are not cordial, they just don't think of each other that way. So to have a policy both recommended, developed, recommended, mm -hmm. and then adopted, um, recommended by the board and adopted by the membership at the uh, September AIC was really exciting. And that, in fact, um, is reinforced in some actions that the ANVA board and the state-to-state -state governance committee have been working on for some time mm -hmm. and ANVA staff have developed and that is the capability of moving a driver history record and convictions and withdrawals to the new state of record for all drivers not just for commercial drivers mm -hmm. we call it driver history record service as a part of the state-to-state -state service we have a half a dozen states now that have adopted the driver history record capability the concept of being able to timely, efficiently, and accurately transmit a driver's history and convictions and withdrawals on every driver when that driver is changing states or if that driver has a conviction from a different state and it needs to be moved back to the state of record. It's something that the states have committed to for decades mm -hmm. in this concept mm -hmm. of one driver, one license, one record. And it's very exciting that the capability now exists. It's been developed and implemented through the state's leadership. This is not something that the federal government mandated states to do. Mm -hmm. It just fulfills a longstanding commitment by the ANVA community to that safety improvement so that law enforcement at roadside knows who they're dealing with, so that that DMV customer service rep knows who they're dealing with, so that the court, the prosecutor, you name it, that record is current and accurate. And it's a pretty and robust it's a wonderful innovation in the safety space. It sounds mundane. It may sound, you know, way in the weeds, but to me, you can tell how excited I get about it. It's well, just sure. not simple. This is stuff that's been moved by mail, yeah. on printed paper, Very manual, yeah. on in stacks from DMV to DMV for decades, and to see that now become electronic. Not only is it great from a safety view, it's great from an efficiency view. Mm -hmm 
for the DMVs, and those that have implemented it have found great efficiencies um, as a result. So uh, that's that's yeah. one driver area. Absolutely. So please, if you want to add to that well, at all, no, because then it, the compact comes into play. It, it does, because <laughs> you know the, the compact for years set around this these tenets of we're going to share these convictions, and yeah. then we will take action on our driver if you find them at fault in, in your jurisdiction. And because it had been done very manually, of course, when something's done manually, it's prone to error, prone to delay, prone to all these challenges, and to be able to close those loopholes, um, it brings together the promise of the technology that the state-to-state -state platform provides, along with what's always been the safety tenants of the driver license compact um, in a more meaningful way. Because, yeah, it's in the weeds and it's mundane until something bad happens and someone says, well, why did that person still have their license? Right. Exactly. And so to be able to get in front of that and be more proactive, um, it's not, it's very administrative in process, but it's very safety driven and will save lives when you have a better process. Precisely. And, and I just find, I have such admiration for this community of DMV and enforcement leaders because they, they came to this and said to ANVA staff through the state to state mm -hmm governance initiative the state-to-state -state service let's do this yeah. it's worth the investment um, it's worth the programming on our side and they have significant programming requirements um, ideally those jurisdictions that are getting ready to prepare for a driver history record um, addition to their state-to-state -state service are able to draw on some uh, NHTSA grant funds that is available um, because again it's a safety it's a very safety directed uh, uh, initiative so and so to point out, 2022 was yeah. a, a, an important year because it was the first year this function became available. Precisely. Um, and to, to know that already six states are alive with at it, least. I would say, you know, historically, when we look at the pace of states being able to adopt new technology, that out of the gate, that's a faster pace than I think we've historically seen with other new platforms. Yeah, we've got about three times that many lined up to do it over the next two years. Yeah. So from a state to state perspective, Hawaii just uh, completed their uh, onboarding to state-to-state. -state. We're now up to 37 jurisdictions wow. in the state-to-state -state service. And through that platform, um, more and more states, as they onboard, are including uh, the driver history record capability, and others are scheduled to add it since they are already uh, in the state-to-state -state service and system. Yeah, so it's a yeah. great year for driver safety, a great deal of focus and realization, I think, by members um, of things that they have been talking about seeking and planning for for many years and really kudos to ANVA yeah. staff and their ability to to see how you design and build that. And so like you said states came to this almost on their own if you will recognizing this is a place where they could do better they wanted to do better. Mm -hmm. um, on the other side the other topic you alluded to with a little more of a federal involvement right. on the, the CDL side right. an important year for the test modernization effort. Yeah, so the CDL skills test is a, is a framework that I didn't realize until I arrived at ANVA. I did not know this for all the years out as FMCSA, that really the states control the development of the skills test. Mm -hmm. And it does need to be a standardized set of tests, and it is developed through ANVA on behalf of the states with and through the guidance and input and expertise of members who serve on the test maintenance subcommittee and the uh, International Driver Exam Certification Board. Mm -hmm. So through that expertise and, and some of our senior examiners throughout the DMV community, um, over the course of leveraging the old CDL skills test, mm -hmm. which is referred to as the 2005 test or something? Technically, right? yes. Technically, yeah. yeah. 
uh, modified from time to time. Which um, doesn't sound as long ago as it is. Like, oh, mid 2000s. That was not 17 long ago. years. Go, oh, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 Considering that I have a 17 year old, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it feels longer now. It feels longer now. So, so in that space, is that really 17 years? Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, I, I, I would have to look to Kevin to say how they got to this, but about six years ago, that group of sort of state experts and, and AMVA staff, along with federal staff, primarily the AMVA, uh, state and AMVA staff, identified the benefits of modernizing two aspects of the CDL skills test, the vehicle inspection part, mm -hmm. uh, which has, you know, been this, you know, hundred, uh, over 100, 120 uh, questions on, on parts and pieces on that uh, particular commercial motor vehicle, and the on-course or basic controlled skills test that takes place in a controlled course setting, not out on the road. The third part of the skills test is that road piece, mm -hmm. and, and the modernization doesn't affect that. But over the course of, um, boy, three to five years, through extensive um, jurisdiction input, um, pilot testing, you know, thank you to New Hampshire and Maryland and Virginia mm -hmm. for being pilot tests, making themselves available, to industry participation and in providing vehicles on which uh, the, mm -hmm. the modified tests could be examined for a vehicle skills test portion. The long and short of it is all came to a head this year. Um, the skills test modernization piloting had been completed. Uh, the analysis by a third party had been reported mm -hmm. and shared with FMCSA, and in a matter of several months, FMCSA turned around and approved the use of this new modernized skills test. Yeah. And the fact that it allows, it, it does a much better job of the old test of accommodating the new technologies that you mm -hmm. talked about on, yeah. on light duty vehicles. This right. idea of a giant commercial motor vehicle showing up not with mirrors mm -hmm. on the outside, right and left, side view mirrors, but side view cameras. Right. Not a rear view mirror you know, over the driver's head, but a camera. Right. It greatly expands visibility, but that was not accommodated. It's not accommodated in the current vehicle inspection yeah. test. So, so that test is now being rolled out. We've got about 23 jurisdictions that have indicated they want to exercise the option of using the new skills test protocols next year. Um, uh, Kevin and Patrick and our and our yep. TMS and our IDEC, Denise, the team has all come together to wrap up the materials to mm -hmm. roll it out, and we'll be doing training in February mm -hmm. um, out in Texas to get those that first round to train the trainer examiners, trained and ready to roll. So, you know, it's, it's the stuff has come to a head. This has been a really big year for driver safety. Yeah. And again, not unlike with the DHR conversation, what starts to sound sometimes like a lot of process. Right. You know, here one of the, the great exciting parts of this revised test is rather than being a litany and a laundry list of all things we want drivers to be able to do, it allows it to focus on, well, what are those safety critical That's right. tasks? That's right. And it wasn't randomly chosen. They went back to crash reports and crash data and said, what's causing crashes with large trucks and buses? And what are those skills that yeah. we really want to focus on in the skills test, as opposed to skills that drivers may need to have, That's but right. they're not the skills involved in a crash. That's right. And the, the, the jurisdictions that use it have a tighter uh, test footprint on their course, and the entities that use it know that they're safety-focused, as you say. Yeah. Um, and overall, it's, it's, uh, it's a really neat option to be able to do now. So, again, another exciting kind of uh, feather in the cap among AMBA members on driver safety. So. 
And so, of course, you know, not to to ignore our, our friends on the vehicle side oh uh, of the house. Yeah. Um, so much there, particularly again, you know, we talk about milestones with state to state and DHR. Huge milestone in Invitis this year. Well, look at this. We've got every continental U.S. jurisdiction in Nimvitis. Yeah. That is astounding. There's one jurisdiction left uh, that aren't is not contiguous to the rest of the um, uh, over to the to the continent. And and across the board, and that and that jurisdiction is making plans to come in mm-hmm. into Nimvitis. So, the level of robustness in the Nimvitis system um, is profoundly exciting mm-hmm. for those who use it for uh, theft investigations, for those who use it for consumer awareness, for the private sector that uses it to help uh, different industries um, know what the nature of the vehicle history is um, when they are either doing financing or lending mm-hmm. or purchasing. And so, uh, yeah, the Nimvitis robustness is, is pretty darn exciting. And that was that was a milestone achieved this year with the addition of uh, the District of Columbia DMV yeah. as the latest entry. Yeah. And so also, you know, you talk about vehicle theft, which leads me to think about, you know, the law enforcement community, particularly those fighting fraud. We yeah. had a number of deliverables again this year, an update to, you know, the big mammoth fraud best practice, targeted areas around dyed diesel uh, fuel fraud, which yeah. is a real niche, but fascinating area yeah. um, and then an area where we really hadn't spent as much time and there's some new products out there now about how to better work with prosecutors I love that piece yep because yep. you know it's, an, it's, a, well, no, I mean, I think it's really neat it, it's neat and what's interesting about it is we've heard from our fraud community for so long about they've got these tools to fight fraud and they do investigations and then they pull together all the evidence and then it may not go anywhere because you need to partner with the judicial branch um, to be able to prosecute and go through that process and maybe prosecutors aren't aware as to what the impact is in this motor vehicle community fraud and how to do it and so to provide the tools for our members to better build that bridge with the prosecutors understand what is a prosecutor need from you to successfully go after these these criminals mm-hmm. um, so that the great work that our DMV investigators are doing isn't for naught. Yeah, that's, I mean, I think that sums it up beautifully. And again, it reinforces just how engaged um, these solutions, uh, how, how engaged AMVA jurisdiction members are in these solutions across the board. And that level of input on the prosecutor guide development, I think is just going to be, it's, um, it's a very useful tool, yeah. period. I, I can I, I I can't say more than that. And I I would be remiss. Are there other initiatives? I mean, there's so many more we can talk oh, yeah, about here. Yeah, I, I don't even know. But I do wanna I wanna highlight also another highlight for me this year. Um, and it gets back to this idea of connecting. Mm-hmm. Is the all staff Anva meeting that we held mm-hmm. in October. You know, Anva has been uh, remote from the beginning of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and early this year uh, made the decision uh, with the board's uh, support to go remote permanently. Mm-hmm. What it meant is we've had employees that haven't seen each other for three years. In many cases, we've seen each other because we travel a lot together or we're at the office together. And we brought all the employees together uh, in October uh, for our all traditional all-hands meeting. Yep. And I, it, you, you can see the smiles and our mm-hmm. holiday greeting card. <laughs> Claire did a beautiful job capturing really what it meant to be together. Folks were just happy to reconnect. And we have, we're, we're blessed with a team of employees, 200 employees who, who love our work. They're committed to, to our mission, which is to support our members in carrying out their missions. And yet to refresh that sense of purpose, it's really important to touch base with each other from mm-hmm. time to time in person. 
And so that meeting just was a real highlight to me and in the smiles, in the energy, in the joy and and just reconnecting or connecting for the first time because yeah. we've hired about, gosh, for 50 new employees in those two years. Wow. So, yeah, it's yep. um, been a lot of a lot of a lot of good forward momentum, but uh, also some. You know some departures along the way. Of course, um, always, always it, it's healthy. Over, yeah. It's healthy. Yeah, but wonderful to have all those new faces yeah. too. So the one other area I want to ask you about before we, we wrap up, because I think it's you mentioned the board a couple of times, yeah. and it's unique to have a project that starts, implements, and gets finished in just a one year time frame. And the board had one this year, very particularly around what what we've referred to as financial transparency yeah. and yeah. the acknowledgement of AMBA's financial transparency. Yeah, so we have, as part of our strategic framework, financial transparency is one of our goals. We, we always say in our budget briefings that, you know, we are transparent. Um, come to find that maybe we weren't as transparent as we thought we were, because sometimes it's hard to find our stuff. It might be that our audit is available, but you got to go looking for mm-hmm. it on GuideStar. Or our, our, our 990 tax forms are available, but you've got to know where to, where to look to find the, mm-hmm. them, and you can't get the most recent. And so with the leadership of our treasurer, the time Kurt Myers, and the Finance Investment and Audit Committee, and a very talented Wendy Sibley and Noemi mm-hmm. Arthur, um, we found that we could not only improve the availability of our materials by creating a financial section, a financial information section on our redesigned website. Remember, we rolled out the new website. That was this year, too. Oh, my gosh. That that was 2022 also. Oh, my gosh. It's a really productive year, (laughs) as though other years have not. It's a hard... Hard to stop uh, finding all those innovations. I think we got so used to the new website already. We I think how so. New it is. I know it. It is new, and it enabled a much uh, easier accessibility to the financial information for yeah. Anva. So that was posted. In the meanwhile, we were updating and moving through the stages of transparency on what has been known. It's sort of the nonprofit information resource mm-hmm. uh, for the world, which is referred to as GuideStar Candid. Um, and AMVA followed the steps, um, completed all the information, posted what needed to be posted, and we now have the designation of platinum level on transparency through GuideStar and Candid. So you can also find that information there. Um, and again, just go right to the financial information um, tab on our, on our redesigned website to get the same stuff. Yeah. It's current, um, it's accurate, it's relevant, and it's very important for our members, to us, that our members understand um, that they can see where their money is being spent. And I'm really grateful to the Finance Committee for saying, yeah, we really need to up the game here. So yeah, big deal. Yeah. And and I think and and the goal is to continue to be more transparent also where we think information is available on committees or on boards, um, access to opportunities to serve in those in those uh, in, in in those bodies. We want to be sure members can access that information and use it to their advantage because serving on a board or committee mm-hmm. is a wonderful opportunity not just to have a seat at the table, but to also grow professionally and grow yeah. your network. So I get, you know, forget, <laughs> we could keep talking. Yeah, I mean, we forgot that the new website launched this year. You know, you talked about development. We brought back the Leadership Academy yes, this year. Yes, yes. Um, I think the list goes on and on. The fact that we can't fit it all into one <laughs> podcast, I think just about, about says it all. Well, I know you and I have had fun with this conversation. <laughs> I hope the listeners do, too. I don't know. I mean, we're breathless with yeah. some of this. And, I, and that's the other thing. You know, 2022, you know, I've been able to do more of these in, in person, which has been great. Um, but that's been another thing this 
I, the people that come up to me and tell me they're listening to this thing week after week yeah. just blows me away. You are over 20,000 <laughs> listeners, right? At least, yeah. At I mean, least. Yeah, and yeah. what it is, and I was just writing a note about it for something else I was working on. It is like a conversation with a chief administrator or a or an industry leader, yeah. uh, a personal conversation. Like I get to be in the room when I'm listening to it in my car or when I'm walking. Or as I told you one time, just to, as I was taking a nap, I was listening to a great <laughs> put, podcast you with right to you and Bernard and who else was with you at that on that. It was, yeah. a, it was wonderful. It didn't put me to sleep at all. It just relaxed me. It's a great conversation. This Ambicast has been a wonderful addition to how we share information across the community and so thank you for doing that it's, it's been you're fun. a wonderful host it's been fun. Well, thank you. <laughs> well you've been a wonderful guest today I appreciate you coming back again and uh we will uh we'll stay in touch of course through 2023 and yeah. see the exciting things that the new year awaits well all the best to our listeners for the holidays yes. uh have i hope everyone has a wonderful celebration this month of december and we'll get to see you next year absolutely <laughs> Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. Till next week, everyone, stay well and Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Get Mobile ID by Get Group North America. Visit us at amvacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.